suck at Harvard. Welcome back to the Maroon Weekly. This is sixth week. It's our 24th episode so far. My name is Miles. I'm Isaac. I'm Jack. We've got a ton of stories to this week. So first up, let's start out with a story from Jack. Yeah, so recently a tobacco workers and grain millers union has been posting flyers around campus denouncing various corporate activities of Joseph Neubauer, who's the current chair of the Board of Trustees at UChicago. So the Maroon did some research on this, and they actually interviewed Anthony Jackson and Nate Zeff, who are coordinators of a campaign against Neubauer, and they were suggesting that his corporate actions are inconsistent with the community values of both the Mondelez Company, which is a tobacco company that he's also on the board of, as well as of the university. So Neubauer is actually the latest in a string of Mondelez board members who have been targeted. They're claiming such actions as the withdrawal of pension funds for retirees and the outsourcing of jobs to uh, places like Mexico have been destructive to the community of Mondelez employees in the U.S. And there's actually a plant in Chicago on 73rd Street and Kedzie Avenue, uh, which has been a central point for a lot of these protests. And the protesters, they're really hoping in general that the campaign draws support against Neubauer and forces some sort of action to revert the practices that they've been putting into play over the last couple of years. How long has Joseph Neubauer been on the board of trustees for UChicago? He's been serving as the chairman of the board since 2015, uh, and he was recently re-elected to this position in 2018. So also in the news, myself and Oren Oppenheim, a senior news writer at the Moon, published last week a story about a lawsuit that the University Medical Center filed against the Department of Health and Human Services. That lawsuit is over certain Medicare adjustment payments for the fiscal year that ended in 2007 that the university claims it's owed by the government. When you treat Medicare patients at a teaching hospital, you get certain adjustments made to the payments you receive from the government based on the number of residents you have at that hospital because treating patients at a teaching hospital is more expensive because of things like doing additional tests to teach residents how to do those tests and things like that. So essentially the number of residents that a teaching hospital can claim on its Medicare payments are capped by congressional regulation at the number of residents they had in the fiscal year that ended in 1996. And the University Medical Center won a different suit in 2010 that should have theoretically raised that cap based on a recalculation of the number of residents they had in 1996. However, their actual cap hasn't yet been adjusted based on that decision, and now they're filing a new lawsuit to have that decision applied to the fiscal year 2007. So last week was Halloween. I hope all you guys had a good time with your costumes and your candy. I hope you didn't put off your midterms. But on Wednesday night, events were reminiscent of past years in which crowds of teenagers gathered in Hyde Park around Halloween committing vandalism. According to multiple reports, At around 8.15 p.m. on 52nd Street near the New Polsky Exchange, some witnesses reported hearing bangs or bombs go off, which appeared to be fireworks in an unlocked car. By 9.30 p.m., residents continued hearing loud bangs, and the commotion uh, proceeded south towards 55th Street towards campus. Despite the heavy presence of UChicago PD and the Chicago Police Force, these reports of explosions still continued all the way through 10.30 in the Hyde Park neighborhood. And by 10.30, a group of around 20 individuals made their way onto UChicago's campus. Witnesses in the area reported hearing more explosions and several instances of property damage, such as the tipping over of motorcycles. A group of teenagers allegedly robbed and assaulted two UChicago students coming outside Max Pilevsky Residential Commons on the corner of 56th Street and University Avenue. 
One victim only lost his phone while in other personal items, whereas the other victim was struck repeatedly and was rushed to the UChicago Medical Emergency Room for treatment, according to a security alert sent to the university around 1 in the morning. The University of Chicago police officers apprehended one man on suspicion of robbery in, in front of the reg at about 10.45, and witnesses said there were more uh, suspects fleeing the scene around that time as well. On the morning of November 1st, at around 11 o'clock in the morning, Chicago police force stated that 11 juveniles and one adult were arrested for reckless conduct in violation of public peace. Based on videos obtained from social media, it appears as if the Chicago Police Department officers shut down most of the 5300 block of South Lake Park from as early as 8 p.m., setting up roadblocks to prevent individuals from heading west on 53rd, 52nd, and East Hyde Park boulevards. This year's Halloween violence persisted in spite of neighborhood efforts to provide alternatives for local youth on Halloween night, with community group Blue Gargoyle hosting the aforementioned party at the Promontory. So recently, two UChicago mathematics professors uh, were involved in the retraction of a controversial mathematics paper that dealt with the greater male variability hypothesis, which is a claim that males of a species tend towards the extremes in their expressions of biological traits. The two professors, Amy Wilkinson and Benson Farb, both published critiques of the paper, and their critiques eventually resulted in the retraction of the initial paper. One of the authors of the initial paper wrote to the university to claim that the two UChicago professors' activities had constituted a violation of his freedom of speech, and the university conducted an investigation of that, but ended up finding no evidence of wrongdoing throughout that investigation earlier this year. So this last week saw the next edition in the saga surrounding the building of the Obama Library. Uh, the next step was the Chicago City Council had to approve an ordinance that allowed the Obama Foundation to occupy the land in Jackson Park, uh, and that vote passed very easily uh, in a 48-0 to zero vote. Uh, the center still has to wait for federal review before it's able to break ground because Jackson Park is listed on the National Register of Historic Places. The next step for the creation of the Obama Library rests on the passing of a referendum set by the Community Benefits Coalition that will ensure that there are benefits to the local residents of Jackson Park, such as rent control and workforce development, um, for the time period during the construction and then after the construction of the library. So we just learned recently that UChicago leads the nation in registering voters. So UChicago has been partnering with this organization called TurboVote, and according to their data, UChicago's registered 70% of the undergraduate student body. The next highest percentage university is Harvard with 38%, so we've almost doubled their number. I actually went and voted yesterday early in Chicago. If you are looking to do that before Election Day on Tuesday, the site in Reynolds Club will not be open, but you can go to the Jackson Park Fieldhouse, which is 6401 Stony Island, and cast your ballot there. Also, on Election Day, you can check where your precinct voting site is. Illinois has same-day voter registration, which means if you haven't registered to vote, you can actually show up at your polling place with your ID and a second form of ID that shows your current address, which can be something as simple as just a piece of mail addressed to you at where you currently reside.
Alright, well that means we are at the end of our saga here. Thank you for listening to the Maroon Weekly with the Skeleton Crew this week. Follow us on Spotify. Yeah, we're on Spotify in case you didn't know. You do now. Thanks to Ben Kent and the entire Logan Cage staff for providing us with all of our equipment. Music was produced in part by Aaron Senden, Andrew Dietz, and Kenny Talbot-LaVega. So, we'll catch you next week at 9am on Monday.